never been unmasked in this building during a gathering, so. <laughs> Happy Lord's Day. Good evening, church. Uh, it's truly a privilege and blessing to be here in front of you all. Um, the, let's open up our Bibles to Romans 8, verse 18. Again, that's Romans 8, verse 18. Romans is the sixth book in the New Testament, right after Acts, and chapter 8 is one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. It addresses the Christian's assurance of new life and hope as sons and daughters of God. So again, Romans 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would reveal to us your word. Strengthen me as I come to preach and help me to expose your word more so than my own. We ask that your spirit would be here and help us to feast upon the promises that you have given us. We pray that you would allow us to look to you in the midst of all hardship and suffering and to look to the promised glory that you have given us. Give us receptive hearts and allow us to see you more and more. In your name we pray. So a little over a week ago, Peter sent me a text and he assigned me to preach on Romans 8, verse 18. And I was excited at first because I had known this verse since I was a kid. And so I was like, oh, there's less chance I'll make a fool of myself. Um, but even though I'm familiar with it, I think after meditating on it, I realized that if there was anyone who had followed this verse and not compared their sufferings to the glory revealed to them, if there was someone who did that well, it wasn't me. I have been weak in comparing my sufferings to the glory. I've looked at my sufferings and often forgot about the future glory. I have often used suffering as a means of justifying sin. And so I come today not as a necessarily a good example of this verse, but as someone who simply wants to present God's word and hope it speaks dearly to you all, but both to myself. And so it's just one verse for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. So the main idea for today's text is this. In the midst of our suffering, we, those who are Christian, can put our hope in the eternal glory that is to be revealed to us. Let me say that one more time. In the midst of our suffering, we can put our hope in the eternal glory that is to be revealed to us. How many of us have gone through extensive pain or suffering? I think if we were to ask that question, every single person in here has gone through some sort of suffering in their life. Some of us even recently have lost loved ones or jobs, relationships, or things that we hold so dearly to. Many of us even right now feel the weight of anxiety or depression or hardship, loneliness, fear, or doubt. For those of you who read through my letter a week ago, this season for me has probably been one of the most difficult or discouraging seasons uh, in my 11 years as a Christian. 
And maybe you all are walking through a dark time in your life. You're suffering beyond what you can imagine. Maybe you're feeling this feeling of, I know there's hope out there, but I just don't feel it right now. I feel suffering and darkness. And some of these sufferings that we face are so heavy. And we just wish they could be gone. We wish that the pressure and the weight of suffering could be lifted off us like a feather. Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. And sometimes we read through a verse like this, and it feels so distant, so abstract. Imagine the image of a Christian who is sobbing their eyes out. They're crying because they lost a loved one. And another Christian brother comes to console them with no empathy, no compassion. He just simply says, God is good. God is in control. You're going to be fine. That is a true statement. God is good. He, he is going to take care of them. But the lack of empathy in that Christian's demeanor might make it feel like the pain and suffering they're going through is diminished, as if it's unimportant or irrelevant. And that's not what's going on here. Paul is not saying that it's irrelevant, that it's unvaluable. If anyone could empathize with the pain, it's Paul. We see in Acts 9, I'm not going to ask you guys to turn there, but Acts 9, verse 16, Jesus actually says this about Paul. He says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. See, Paul was specifically chosen as an instrument of suffering for Jesus. And if there was any disciple in the New Testament who had suffered, Paul would be one of the greatest. Even read earlier in the morning in 2 Corinthians 11 that Paul's extensive suffering we read about Paul's extensive suffering, famine, shipwreck, the lashes, hunger, cold, all kinds of suffering. And so Paul is writing this. He's writing this as someone who's suffered more than anyone here, as someone who's faced constant pain and persecution. And even in the midst of this pain, he says that these sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. The disciple who had the most sufferings is not comparing them to the glory revealed to us. And so he's not coming as an unempathetic brother. He's not saying that our sufferings are irrelevant. In fact, if you look at the words worth comparing, in the original language, it's actually one word, comparable, to be worthy of. And so Paul is not saying that there is no worth in our sufferings and that there is no worth to compare our sufferings to glory. That's not what Paul's saying. Let me say that one more time. Paul is not saying that there is no worth in our sufferings and that there is no worth to compare our sufferings to glory. What he is saying is that the value of our suffering does not even come close to the future glory we will receive. The sufferings that we face are not worthy of the glory we will receive. And again, he's not coming up across unempathetic to diminish pain. The pain that many of us feel, the suffering that we feel, is valuable. It has a purpose. To those of us who are hurting deeply inside, know that your suffering has a purpose. I mean, Paul even writes in 2 Corinthians 4 that this slight and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. 
It has a purpose. And three chapters earlier in Romans 5, he says that we should rejoice in our sufferings because sufferings produce endurance. Endurance produce character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Paul does not write to diminish the suffering we go through. He's simply saying that the glory that is revealed to us, that is going to be revealed to us, is going to be exponentially greater. I dare to say even infinitely greater. It's uncomparable. It's incomparable. And so when we suffer, use that to think upon the glory that we will receive. The focus of this verse is not as much. It is on suffering, but it's not as much focused on suffering as it is upon glory. And I think the issue in our life a lot of times is that we compare our sufferings to glory. Or, uh, it's not that we compare our sufferings to glory, but it's that we compare them wrongly. We compare our sufferings to glory wrongly. We sometimes put it on equal ground, as if if I suffer for an hour, then I'm going to get a comparable amount of glory from God. That's not how it works. Paul suggests that we ought to weigh suffering accurately in the balance of glory. We ought to weigh suffering accurately in the balance of glory. It's not equal. It's not even close. It's incomparable. And so what is this glory? What is this glory that we are going to receive? If you actually read through the following verses, we're not going to get into it today, but if you read through the following verses, we'll see that the glory that Paul is talking about here is the final state of the believer. For those of you who believe in Jesus Christ, the final state of the believer It's the revealing of the children of God to be set free from the bondage of sin and have the true freedom of the glory of God. It's what creation has been longing for. It's our bodies being redeemed, resurrected, when there's no more sin, no more pain. And we get to be with God forever, to treasure him forever, to rejoice in him forever, to worship him for the rest of our lives, to be with this eternal God. That's the glory that we will be revealed to us. And this glory is so extraordinarily weighty. It's so transcendently wonderful, spectacularly majestic, that just like a balance, it's as if you had a 2,000-pound weight on one side and a feather on the other. It's incomparable. And this suffering will just... It's as if the feather flies through the air with no weight at all. I can just imagine it being blown through the wind. That's our suffering. And one day when we see this glory, we'll understand that the culmination of all of our sufferings was simply just a feather. We'll realize that we had no idea of what was in store, of the greatness of glory in store for us. And more than that, our suffering will be completely gone. And just think, brothers and sisters, Jesus offers us this freely. We don't deserve it one bit. We don't gain it through suffering more or being good. The only reason that we can hope in our sufferings, the only reason that we can share in this glory is because the God of ages stepped down from his glorious kingdom. He became a man, he lived a perfect life, he died the punishment of sinners, and he was resurrected to give new life 
to those who repent and believe. Brethren, we deserve to suffer for our sins. We deserve God's wrath. But if we repent and believe in Jesus, we have an eternity and a glory reserved for us in heaven. And I want to speak to uh, those of you, the non-Christians here. What is your hope? What in life are you hoping for right now? Do you have the hope that the sufferings of this present time will not be worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to you? Do you have hope of eternal life? Do you have hope of freedom from suffering and pain? If you do not have the hope found in Jesus, I plead with you all to consider the gospel and to turn to Jesus. Keep coming to church and Jesus freely offers his grace and perfection to those who believe in him. To the children here, for those of you who are children. What about you guys? Kids, where is your hope? Is your hope in Jesus and the eternal kingdom? Do you, do you children know Jesus? Do you know how to be saved from sin and given eternal life? Children, do you talk to your parents or other church members about Jesus and ask questions that you might have? Do you love the Bible? Are you more interested in the Bible and Jesus' kingdom or playing games and things going on in your current life? And finally, to the Christian. Simple application today for the Christian. Think about this constantly. Think about the eternal glory constantly. Especially those of you who are in suffering right now. So often in our lives, we try to diminish suffering. We try to distract ourselves from suffering. We try to have a life that has the least amount of suffering possible, the most comfort. And whether by going on our phone or by distracting ourselves, social media, YouTube, Netflix, fill our minds with distractions to get the suffering away. Let us not let our lives be marked by distracting ourselves from suffering. Let us not be, have our lives be marked by doing whatever we can to avoid suffering, but rather in the midst of suffering. Allow us to set our gaze on the eternal glory. Let's weigh suffering in the balance of glory and use it as a means. Brethren, let's use suffering as a means to set our minds and remind us of the future glory in store for us. In Luke 6, Jesus addresses those who are being persecuted for him. And he says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for your reward is great in heaven. If we only know how amazing heaven is going to be, we would not stop jumping. We would not stop weeping for joy. It's miraculous. It's something beyond all of our imagination. And as I was preparing this, I, was, I had the privilege to just think about it and to dwell upon heaven. I'll never sin again. I'll never be sad again. I'll never suffer or experience pain or be depressed, or feel lonely, or afraid, or anxious, or have any lack, there won't even be 
an ounce of brokenness or hurt. It'll simply be joy, bliss, ecstasy, glory. It'll be God. Brethren, for those of you who are suffering extensively, let God's word transform you. Let this truth transform your heart and feel free to share your struggles with your brothers around you, brothers and sisters around you. For those of you who see each other suffering, encourage each other and remind each other of the glory that we will, ha- that we will have when Jesus comes back. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that in the midst of our suffering, we would look to the hope that is promised for us in Jesus. We ask that you would encourage us, for those of us who are hurting deeply, that we would pour our struggles upon you and know there is an eternal reward. I pray you would give us comfort and give us more and more revelation of what heaven will be like. Let our hope be found in that, not on this world, but in the future glory. When you come back and redeem our bodies, when there be no sin or no more suffering, we pray that you would strengthen us and give us encouragement and hope. Allow us to be faithful, to cherish your word, to cherish your truth, and to live lives loving each other as Christ loved the church. And be with us for the rest of tonight. In your name we pray. Amen.